Uh, someone told me once that you can divide kids into sort of the sweet camp and the spicy camp. And I was <laughs> all spice. My kids are all spice. You were a spice girl. Yeah, <laughs> I was a spice girl. I was scary spice, definitely, for a while in there, mid-high school. <laughs> Welcome back to Adventure Parenting with Grace. I am Lori Donahue, and this is the Gospel Parenting Podcast, where we will walk with you through the joys of parenting and the most painful challenges so you can rise with courage, practical strategies, and hope to parent with purpose. We're back this week with Pepperdine professor Lauren Amaro for the second half of her interview about family communication and challenging situations. If you didn't hear the first interview, be sure to go back and listen to podcast number 12. She brings such insight and clarity to many of the challenges parents face. This one is jam-packed and a little longer, so let's hop right in. Okay, we've talked a little bit about frustrations and anxieties as parents, and some of us have more than others. Why do we get so frustrated? You know, we have this job and we should just do it. But why do our fuses become short and we get frustrated? Do you have any thoughts on that? You know, this is a question that I sit with a lot for myself. And there's a lot of answers to it. One, of course, is spiritual. We are not trusting God with our children. Hmm. We are not. And it's harder to feel peace when our children sin if we are convinced that it is our responsibility to be their savior. Mm -hmm. I think we also have bought into, we as I would say Christian mothers have bought into a cultural narrative that researchers call intensive motherhood, which says, if you can be the perfect mom, if you can put all your money into this, if you can put all your time into this, if you can find all the right experts and do all the right things and read all the right parenting books, then your child will be perfect. And of course, <laughs> this is a lie from the enemy. <laughs> and I, I think um, we, we do that. And, and suddenly our little bubble of fantasy <laughs> is popped the second that our toddler throws Thomas the train at the newborn baby. <laughs> And that it's just going, wait a minute, the experts said that if I did this, that that wouldn't happen. I think one of the things we get really frustrated and anxious because we are confronted with our children's humanity and in their humanity, their sin. And the narratives around us are telling us that we actually don't have to deal with that. That if we just do things right, then they will not be sinful. Hmm. That's the lie. Mm-hmm. It's not true. Yeah, <laughs> they will yeah. still be sinful. They will still make choices through their entire lives that will go against how we might parent them. And that is just really hard to handle, especially if you believe that your kids are your report card, especially right. if you believe that if my child is well-behaved, then I get an A+. Mm-hmm. That, again, is a lie from the enemy. My worth doesn't lie in my child's behavior, especially in public. Oh my gosh. The number of times that I've walked out of Target feeling like an absolute failure of a human being, <laughs> I can't even count. And yet the Lord sits with me and says, do you trust me with your children? Do you trust that your worth is in me? Do you trust that their worth 
is in me. Mm-hmm. And it's not in how well they behave in Target. It has nothing to do with that as a matter of fact. That's right. That's right. But you know, some of it too is just brain chemistry. Some of us are more wired toward short fuses. <laughs> and some of us also never learned emotional regulation skills as a child mm-hmm. and are trying to learn that as an adult. Mm-hmm. That's the case for me. Mm-hmm. So when I was growing up and I would get angry and I had big feelings like so many children, I was, uh, someone told me once that you can divide kids into sort of the sweet camp and the spicy camp. And I was <laughs> all spice. My kids are all spice. You were a spice girl. Yeah. <laughs> I was a spice girl. I was scary spice. Definitely. For a while in there, mid high school. <laughs> and, um, I, I just, would get angry and, and my, I would watch my dad just get angry and, and things would blow up and you'd go to your room and you wouldn't talk for a while. And then you'd just come back to it. And there was never reconciliation. There was never conversation. There was never sort of mopping it up. So it was just this, there's no emotion regulation. And what I'm learning to do for myself and with my children mm-hmm. is to say, okay, wow, you have some big feelings right now. Mm-hmm. let's calm those down so we can sort through them. Mm-hmm. And we take some deep breaths together. Most of the time, my kids are like, I don't want to take a deep breath, but <laughs> I try. <laughs> or we're saying things, I'm learning to say things like, wow, I'm really frustrated right now. I'm going to go to my room and take a break. And then I want to talk about this once I've calmed down, which is teaching them to do the same thing. That it's actually really healthy for us to settle Mm-hmm. before we talk through things. In fact, we can't even process the information in a conversation if our bodies are elevated. The Whole Brain Child book series talks quite a bit about sort of the body chemistry of that and how we can train, especially young children, to mm-hmm. learn to calm our physical bodies down mm-hmm. with some really practical tools. I would recommend that book and, and it's a uh, partner book is called No Drama Discipline, which I don't actually think okay. is about discipline. It's really about how to help your child regulate after bad behavior, but we can put those in the show notes and people can find them there. Yeah. That's really good, Lauren. And I think when we respond too quickly, you know, they might need to hear the gospel. They might need to hear something in a calm way that we can't say when we're all hyped up. So, Mm -hmm. so what do you think God has to say to the, to the frustrated parent? That's such a beautiful question. Mm. It's always a good, good question when we ask what God thinks, you know, about anything. Yeah. You know, I think in anger, there is such fatigue. And when I am exhausted in my frustration with my kids, I hear Jesus say from Matthew 11, I hear, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Mm. He says, take my yoke upon you, which was, as I understand it, um, rabbis had a yoke that they would put on their disciples. It was actually a way of saying, come and learn from me. So take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart Mm. and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and your burden is light. I I just, you know, I think God is a parent. (laughs) He looks on us and says, I feel your pain. Mm -hmm. And I think he says, again, you can trust me with your child. Come and rest in me. Let this go. Whatever we're frustrated about is probably not worth the emotional energy that we're putting into it. 
And when it is, it's probably more than frustration. It's probably other things like fear, right? A lot of times we get frustrated with our kids because we're afraid of their actions. Mm -hmm. We're afraid it's going to hurt them in the long run. Mm -hmm. We're afraid that they're going to turn out a particular way if we don't fix this right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that again, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, Mm -hmm. come to me, all of you who are so afraid, Mm -hmm. come to me, all of you who are striving as a mom, it's, it's right there. He will give us rest. Mm -hmm. We also have to choose that rest. And I think God gives that as an, as an invitation, but we have to choose that. We have to create structures. For me, God has challenged me in the last few years to build in more margin, Mm -hmm. to be more present. Cause when I'm moving slower, I can be a lot more patient Mm -hmm. when I'm not rushing through all of my tasks and goals and dreams and all of that then I have space in my head to say, oh, my kid yelling at me right now is not about me and something else is going on than that he or she does not want cereal this morning or whatever it is that they're freaking out about. Mm -hmm. This might be about something else. And it gives me space to look to the heart. That promise that Jesus's yoke is easy and his burden is light is true when we accept it. I think God's asking us to accept it more. Mm-hmm. That is really, really good. I don't know if you know this, but every podcast I have been ending with Find Your Rest in the Lord this week. Yeah. And I think as parents, we can't hear that enough. Right. And, and I, you really unpacked that really well. And thank you for sharing that. Thanks, Sometimes, Lauren, we compare our kids to a computer information in result out. Nothing comes out unless you put it in. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we relate our parenting to what we put in is what we get out. And you've spoken a little bit to this already. Do you have any more words about that? Yeah, again, you know, I think that mentality, again, is really, I think it's a lie from the enemy that would have us believe that we have more power and control than we do. I also think, though, that we can often slip into the idea that, well, I should only have to teach my child this thing once, right? Like much like a computer, I should only have to put in the code one time Mm -hmm. for the software to run perfectly. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) I, the number of times I say the exact same sentence Mm -hmm. in a week is unbelievable. And I've, I've fought that for a really long time in parenting. And one of the things I'm trying to accept now is, hey, it's okay for me to have a rote one-liner that my kids will memorize. And when they're, you know, 38 and raising their own children, my voice will be in their head (laughs) and they'll be hearing it. Um, Because sometimes we can just put really simple lessons into really simple phrases and repeat them and repeat them and repeat them and repeat them them until they sink in. And of course we want to make sure that we're expanding and we're teaching it well and not the same way every time. But, mm-hmm. you know, that repetition of parenting is, is not something that we see in that input output model, right? Mm-hmm. You only have to do it once. You only have to tell your child one time to clean their room mm-hmm. ever in your life. And then they will just do it perfectly mm-hmm. every time. But that's, you know, God has made us complex and beautiful. And at different stages, we have to provide different input. Mm-hmm. And that input then is filtered through the through their own person, whatever that is, and it will create a different kind of output 
than we planned for every time. (laughs) And what a beautiful thing. Yeah. Because if they only took in the input that I offered, they'd be messed up. Yep. And they'd be a little computer without feelings. (laughs) And they don't need to be clones of me. I don't want them to be clones of me. Mm -hmm. I want them to be the beautifully complex person that God has designed them to be, who's serving him in ways that I couldn't. What a beautiful thing. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's great. That's so good. When you were talking about the saying things and when you're their 38, your voice will be playing in their head. Our kids, when they were young, were in a program of Bible memorization. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. They can recall scripture now in a way that I can't. I never had that. And at this age, I have less ability to memorize as I would have then. So I kind of wish I had that. But they can call in that scripture, and God will be speaking to them even as they're older. That's right. It's just an encouragement to parents. Your voice is important, but so is the Word of God. So. That's right. Yeah. Lauren, what are some, some very practical suggestions that you have for the highly frustrated parent? Mm-hmm. You have already shared a couple things, but do you have anything else in your little bag there of secrets? <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> oh, good. One of the things that has been most transformative for me is resetting my body's clock to wake up very early. It is essential for me to be up before my kids so that I can have time with Jesus and not just like 15 minutes of, I'm just going to read my Bible and go really fast. Mm -hmm. I want time. I want to be slow. I want my cup of tea and I don't want to be talking to my kids yet. So for me, that looks like I'm up at five most mornings, 515. And that allows me to get that time. It allows me to get exercise in, which is a, just talk about a practical suggestion for managing your anger and anxiety. If you can get a workout that fully fatigues you, your body chemically will be more relaxed throughout the day. You will have more ability to regulate yourself if you've burned off some of that energy. So those are my two things is I, I wake up, I exercise and I, um, spend time with Jesus in reverse order, Jesus first exercise after those have been enormously helpful for me in regulating myself and, and allowing myself to learn the skills I need to learn as a parent. Mm -hmm. Um, I would also say that highly frustrated parents would can really benefit from mentorship and counsel. Mm -hmm. So whether that's formal counseling through a therapist Mm -hmm. or, another mother in church who may be further along in the parenting journey and has wrestled through these things already, or maybe is in the same place. But remember that comparison thing that we're talking about. Comparison is actually a healthy and natural thing that we do, Hmm. but it gets subverted. We need to be able to compare. It's important for me to say, oh, I see that this other mom is doing something like me. That's a good thing. I see this other mom, she's doing some stuff that's better. And wow, I can use that as inspiration mm-hmm. or gosh, I see that other mom over here who's struggling and I can, I can go and support her. Mm-hmm. Those are comparisons that as believers, we're actually called to do. Mm-hmm. I it's, love that. it's when the enemy gets in there and is like, Oh yeah. See that other mom who's doing that thing better than you. That's because you're not good enough. That's shame. And that's the enemy co-opting this comparison that God has given us so that we can gauge 
our health with him. Mm-hmm. And so I think designating a mentor in our lives where we can say, this is a woman that I'm intentionally comparing my life to mm-hmm. within reason, right? God has still given me a purpose mm-hmm. outside of that, that other woman, mm-hmm. but where this is someone I'm going to use as a kind of a model, as a model, mm-hmm. I think that can be really valuable mm-hmm. yeah, and helping reduce that shame um, and comparison that feeds into anger and frustration. Mm-hmm. And then I would say the last thing for me, that's been enormously helpful is actually learning about how the brain works in anger. And again, a whole brain child book series unpacks the most current research on that in a really nicely translated way. It's not too dense. I'm not a neuroscientist, so I was able to read it without any trouble. And one of the things that I really found fascinating though, is when we're calm, we're using one part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex for decision-making and things like that. And when we're, when we're angry, we're using this really basic reptilian part of our brain, the amygdala, which is responsible for fight, flight, or freeze. And we lock down. We, we can't get out of that. We can't ask a child and we can't ask ourselves to make wise choices when we are freaking out in our, in our actual brain, our brain does not allow it. So we have to learn to settle. And I think the more that I've learned about that brain chemistry, the more I've gone, Oh, this is part of God's design. (laughs) This, Oh, I don't have to fight this the way I thought I did. It's okay Mm -hmm. for me to go and step aside. And the more that I do that, the faster I'm able to calm down. It's kind of amazing. We can train our brain. God's given us that ability too. So learning more about that and how that works, I think is really helpful for someone who struggles with anger. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Now, earlier you said you get up at five in the morning. Does that mean you go to bed early? Yeah, it does. (laughs) I'm in bed between nine and 10 every night. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Most nights. Good. It's a good pattern because we do need sleep because sleep helps. If you're overtired, I mean, we know this about our children, right? If they skip a nap or something like that, oh. <laughs> it's all over. It's all over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but And the same is true for us, right? If, if we're not structured and taking care of our own bodies with sleep and, and diet and exercise and all of those things, it feeds that those, those patterns feed anxiety and anger mm-hmm. in powerful ways. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think taking care of ourselves we hear just so much about that, but it is a gift to our children and our spouses, I might add, yeah, when we're true. doing that. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Good advice. Thank you. Okay, now kids, they're all different. And some kids get the labeling like you have described earlier with your kids. Do you think there are advantages or disadvantages to the labeling? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd like to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I mean, of course, there's both. And mm-hmm. so much of it depends on how we communicate about it. We're in a culture right now that loves labels of all kinds, and we conflate labels with identity. Mm. So I actually think a health label is very important for people to understand, for my children to understand, and for the, the people in their sort of universe to understand. So we shared immediately with our kids that they were diagnosed with ADHD. One of the things that we do is we're very careful to talk about it as um, something they have rather than something they are. So we don't say you are ADHD. We say you have ADHD. 
And one of the things that that accomplishes, we hope, is that we're trying to teach them this is not who you are, but it's part of how you work. So we really just kind of say, hey, your brain is a little bit different than our next door neighbors, who's a little bit different than yours. We have a next door neighbor who has autism mm. and, uh, and we have two other neighbors nearby children who are neurotypical, meaning they don't have any current diagnoses. And we just kind of say, God has made all of our brains unique. Mm-hmm. All of us have challenges in those brains mm-hmm. and all of us have extra strengths. Mm-hmm. And so we've even learned to talk about ADHD as a superpower. ADHD is, it's not a great label, right? Attention deficit hyperactivity. It's not a great description of the condition. What it actually is, is variable attention. So there are times when my children's level of focus is incredible. When they're fascinated by something, they absorb and retain information at a rate that is unusual, it's brilliant. Mm -hmm. And that is a gifting, right? Does that fit really neatly into, you know, every classroom situation? No, that's hard. And Mm -hmm. so we talk about it with our kids that way. Mm -hmm. Hey, you've got this amazing feature. It comes with pros and cons. So -hmm. let's recognize the cons and come up with some strategies and skills to work with that. And let's recognize the pros and build on those. Mm -hmm. So that's how we've talked about it. So I'm doing some research in how parents communicate with children with chronic conditions, whether that's something like eczema or allergies or asthma or ADHD. One of the things we really consistently find is learning to teach a child that their label is not who they are mm-hmm. is the critical piece, right? And as believers, that's that should be second nature to us. Of course, that's not who you are. You're a child of God. Mm-hmm. And that's really different mm-hmm. um, than saying, oh, you are ADHD and therefore everything that you do has to fit into that label. Right. It could really be damaging. It could be. And there are ways in which I know that it's going to be extra challenging for them to have that label ahead of time. We had to correct Caleb in particular really early on because he would not be paying attention to something. And he'd just be like, well, I have ADHD, so I can't. And I went, no, (laughs) sorry, that's not an acceptable answer. But, you know, you can see where that sort of self-defeating thinking could really take root if it wasn't, you know, kind of coached out. And he in particular has that, has the hyperactivity feature and it can be intense for other people, especially other people who are not familiar with the condition and don't really know what's going on. It can be a little overwhelming. And so he's had teachers, for instance, who have been very corrective and very like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you just stop? Why can't you just sit? Mm -hmm. And he would just go, whoa, like what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. And that line of thinking, of course, can be really problematic, which to me, it could be that a teacher who didn't understand ADHD could still talk to a child that way. But to me, it's really helpful to have a teacher know that label because I can go in and educate them a little bit. I send articles to, to our kids, teachers kind of saying like, Hey, you might be noticing this in the classroom right now. This is where this is coming from. This is the brain part of it. This is an effective strategy or response that you might use with them. So I think it's helpful to have that label. You know, could, could it be a problem? Of course, of course, 
But I think we can empower our children to understand that their imperfections are not a death sentence to their success or to their joy. Right, right. And they need to know that because we all have imperfections. And that is the basis of our faith is that we can have imperfections, but God has redeemed it all. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Yeah. I read once there was an article in a popular blog, it's called Coffee and Crumbs. It was talking about the gaps in our families and how no matter what, no matter how well we, we raise our children, we raise them with unmet needs. When they leave our house, they will have certain needs that have not been fully met. And so often we are striving to make that not the case. We are striving to give them this perfect experience. But what she said was those gaps are what make their salvation sweet. It's okay for them to have some gaps. It's okay for us not to be able to meet every single need or to have not met those needs well. It is okay because ultimately as they learn to process that, they will see I have a need and that need is for Jesus. And I love that he will meet my needs. Mm. It makes salvation sweet. And if that can give us any rest, if that can give us any joy or any relief from anxiety, it's okay for there to be gaps. It makes their salvation sweeter. I love that. That was really good. It's the overall approach, the overall frame of reference of their identity. I think those are the things that we need to really be consistent and leave with our kids. Lauren, this has been so, so good. And I know how busy you are and how you are so totally accomplished in everything that you do. And it's it's absolutely an encouragement to me. But I love the part that you said, but I need to have time for myself, and I need to have time with the Lord, and I need to to just rest. And in all that, you took time to rest, and you took time to be with us today. Thank <laughs> so you. I'm really thankful. It was so positive. Do you have any final words of things that we didn't say? Yeah, I guess I would just say, um, in my own journey with frustration and anger, the Lord has been so faithful to chip away at that for me, even when I fight against it. But when I can, when I can recognize my need and offer it to him, he has been so faithful to change me Mm. over time. Lauren, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lori. It's my pleasure to be here. Wasn't that wonderful? I've listened to it several times and every time I listen, it has more impact. So next week, I'm going to be the feature. I'm going to be talking about gospel discipline, which is very different from so much of the discipline that we see in our culture today. I'll be sharing some excerpts from a video course that I've written, and I'm hoping that you will gain some new insights. If you're struggling with any aspects of discipline, I encourage you to come back and listen to that. So until then, may you have a great week, and remember to rest in the Lord this week. (music) 